0: Hello and welcome to Speaking Startup, Missouri Business Alert's podcast covering the news and issues important to Missouri entrepreneurs. I'm Jack Anstein.
1: And I'm Casey Murray. On today's episode, we'll look into how thrifting and resale have changed in the past few years.
0: And later, we'll hear the stories of some entrepreneurs who were recently recognized with Missouri Business Alert's inaugural Kindness and Business Awards.
1: Plus, we'll have this week's headlines, digits, and other startup news you need to know.
0: So what are we waiting for? Let's Speak Startup. Casey, have you watched any new TV shows lately?
1: No, I really haven't. I've been mostly rewatching old ones.
0: I saw on TV recently there was a season of The Amazing Grace that filmed before COVID and it was really jarring to me to see people traveling and in big crowds.
1: Oh my gosh, I know watching people now just not wearing masks and not social distancing and huge crowds like that makes me so nervous.
0: I know, but it also kind of makes me jealous and miss traveling, so I'm excited to be able to get out there again.
1: Definitely, I can't wait to get out of Missouri and finally get to go exploring again.
0: Yeah, I did a study abroad trip in Italy, and I'm so happy I did it in 2019 so I was able to get it in.
1: Yeah, I was actually in Brussels, Belgium on my study abroad when COVID hit, and I ended up getting sent home.
0: That's so scary. How long were you there before you got sent home?
1: Luckily, we ended up getting sent, like, fairly early, like, to Belgium, so I got a full two months there, so it could have been worse, but yeah, it was pretty sad.
0: Well, I'm glad you still had the good experience, it sounds like, but why don't we get to today's headlines?
1: A firm based in St. Louis called Balto has raised $10 million in funding and expects to more than double its current staff. The company has developed software that helps coaches at call centers train their employees. The funding will allow the company to add in AI software that would provide instant feedback to employees and their supervisors. Currently, there are 45 people working at Balto, but the startup plans to have more than 100 by next year. Silicon Valley venture capital firm Sierra Ventures led the $10 million funding round. But Balthough has previously raised funds from Cultivation Capital of St. Louis and a $50,000 ARCH grant.
0: One Kansas City startup called Far UV Technologies has just signed a patent and technology license with Boeing to create an ultraviolet wand to sanitize airplanes. Far UV Technologies, led by entrepreneur PJ Piper, was founded in 2016 and develops products on the UV light spectrum. Previously, the startup has inked contracts with NASA and the U.S. Air Force. But the pandemic has created more demand for UV light products, and the company has been getting business from a wide variety of industries that don't typically have a need for the technology.
1: Kansas City startup PMI Rate Pro took home the biggest prize at the Pure Pitch Rally, a pitch contest focused on technology startups in the city, with $24,000 and tickets to three additional Pure Pitch Rally boot camps. PMI Rate Pro, which provides quotes for private mortgage insurance, was started by Nomi Smith, only seven months ago. The company has already integrated with the nation's six private mortgage insurance providers.
0: A new startup competition in New York called Milk Launch has announced its winners, and it includes a startup from St. Louis. The competition is designed to foster innovation in the dairy industry. The Phil Food and Beverages is a company that makes wellness drinks, some of which infuse milk with vitamins and other healthy ingredients. The company has won $15,000 worth of support for its new product, and will be enrolled in a customized mentorship program for their participation.
1: We'll be back with more Speaking Startup after this message.
2: Looking to grow your business through digital marketing, but don't know where to start? Join us virtually on Thursday, October 29th from 7 to 8.30 p.m. for the free Digital Media Jumpstart hosted by the Columbia Entrepreneurship Alliance. You'll hear from experts in affiliate marketing, earned media, content marketing, social media, and more with tips and tricks for every marketing budget. Be sure to register at startmo.biz for this event on October 29th. That's startmo.biz. Hope to see you there.
1: And we're back. Jack, would you consider yourself an experienced thrifter?
0: Yes, I love to find a good piece of clothing for cheap.
1: Me too, and so do a lot of our fellow Gen Zers.
0: Interesting. Is thrifting part of some kind of trend?
1: It is. Thrift shopping and resale have grown significantly over the last few years, and a lot of that is because of growing awareness in younger generations over the damage the fashion industry can do to the environment.
0: Yeah, I know I've heard that people are trying to get away from using brands that have bad environmental records. Do you know where they're shopping instead?
1: Well, lots of people are definitely looking to thrift chains like Goodwill, but the movement has also sparked a fair amount of entrepreneurship. For my story this week, I talked to the founders of a clothing brand called Yvonne and Mitchell based in Kansas City about how they started their resale and upcycled clothing store, along with the changing trends taking place in the fashion industry.
2: We both love fashion, so we found that we were getting complimented a lot on what we wore. And we tried to tell them that you can just go to the thrift store and find really cool stuff for really cheap. But a lot of people, we found, just didn't really have the patience to search through thrift stores, didn't have the time, didn't want to. Uh, So we saw an opportunity there.
1: That's Kaylin Willis, who co-founded vintage and upcycled clothing store Yvonne & Mitchell with her partner, Jared Armstrong, in 2017, talking about how the couple got their store started
2: didn't just want it to be a store where we sold stuff. We wanted it to be like a whole production, sort of like a magazine almost, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. um, because we felt like the story we were telling and how we presented the items was going to be what sold them and got people interested. And we figured that Instagram was like the perfect place for that.
1: The pair was at the front end of a now rapidly growing industry, resale fashion, specifically resale and high fashion. The industry for thrifted and upcycled clothing has been growing quickly in general, and is expected to be a $64 billion industry in the next five years. By 2029, resale is projected to overtake fast fashion, according to a 2020 report by the resale brand ThreadUp. And this trend isn't isolated to lower-income families or thrifty people looking to save some money. Luxury brands are expanding into the market.
3: So the luxury uh, goods market has realized that they're they not playing in that field. So they want to be part of that field. You know, it used to be just consumers who wanted to sell their Louis Vuitton from last season. Now it is Louis Vuitton wants to be in that market.
1: That's Professor Anima Joy, who studies brands and consumer behavior at the University of British Columbia. She said luxury brands are being forced to expand into resale because consumers are starting to push harder for sustainability in fashion.
3: Because they're all talking about sustainability. Now the buzzword is sustainability and everybody knows that if they don't you know, use that term or try to do something about it, they're going to lose a whole segment of their market, right? And that many, many companies are targeting younger people for whom sustainability is a very important factor.
1: Sustainability is a major force pushing the expansion of resale clothing, and that lies at the heart of many new businesses that focus on upcycling. Willis and Armstrong both said that sustainability is a focus for their work.
0: We definitely don't want to take part in fast fashion trends. We never have. We just see what fast fashion is doing to the world. I'm sure we're all seeing the pictures that are cycling around of huge dumps of clothes, and we just do not want to take part in that.
1: Fast fashion is characterized by cheap clothing with fast, low-quality production and research over its negative impact on the environment has been growing, according to Joy.
3: Fast fashion, by definition, it's like fast food, isn't it? Fast food is bad for us. We are now more and more aware through, the, through every media, you know, and particularly social media, about the importance of uh, the, the impact of fashion on the environment the carbon emissions, the landfills particularly, and a lot of things just simply don't disintegrate.
1: According to the Up report, if everyone bought one item of used clothing instead of buying something from a fast fashion brand like H&M or Zara, it would save the earth 25 billion gallons of water and reduce 449 million pounds of trash. Part of the reason the fast fashion industry generates so much trash and pollution is because, according to Joy, the clothes are made to fall apart fast fashion
3: by definition is something that comes on the market every you know 6 weeks or so so you can imagine the fashion companies they're scrambling to get things you know that would attract people's attention so they look good but it is made out of very cheap material i've had things that fell apart on me on, on the second wash because it's poorly done and the materials are very poor quality
1: And not all clothes will even make it to a second wear. It's estimated that single-use outfits were responsible for 208 million pounds of waste in 2019. The low-quality nature of these clothes is another reason why resale is growing. Willis and Armstrong say that the clothes they find in thrift stores are better quality than ones produced today.
2: The quality is usually a lot better for the thrifted stuff that we find, just because if it's lasted that long and it's vintage and it still looks good, that means you know it's going to last even longer. I think the sustainability and the uniqueness in having something that stands out um, that's different from what people are wearing today.
1: Joy says that the shift to more sustainable clothing production is not complete, and it's been slow moving so far. But she sees the resale industry further expanding in the future. Willis and Armstrong have noticed that there are fewer great pieces in thrift stores now for them to find, since the number of people thrifting on their own is growing. For their business, they see this as a good thing and have found their niche in their high-fashion, customized clothing.
2: Our model, like I said earlier, is like a magazine, laid out like a catalog. So in that aspect, it's it's a lot like Vogue to me, or just like a a high-fashion magazine. But also, I feel we really focus on quality, and I think that's what got people really interested, was it's like, that's thrifted, but it's so high-quality, and it looks brand-new, and it it looks high-fashion. 66%
1: 66% of consumers said they wanted to spend less in department stores, and 52% say they wanted to spend less on luxury brands, according to the Up report. So, as resale grows, mainstream fashion brands may need to adapt to survive.
0: joined by Missouri Business Alert reporter Sarah-E Vega, who is involved with the reporting and producing of our first ever Kindness in Business Awards. Sarah-E, can you tell us about the Kindness in Business Awards?
4: Yeah, of course. So Missouri Business Alert partnered with Children's Grove, which is a local nonprofit organization that promotes children's mental, emotional, and physical health to create the Kindness in Business Awards. This is the first year of the awards, and they recognize businesses in Boone County that have shown kindness to the local community during the COVID 19 pandemic.
0: This pandemic has impacted millions of Americans in many different ways. What's the goal of recognizing local businesses?
4: Well, we have seen how businesses have dramatically been impacted by the pandemic here and across the U.S., but this is a way to honor local businesses or nonprofit organizations who despite facing their own set of challenges, still found a way to give back and that's something considerably valuable to our community.
0: What are the categories of the awards?
4: So there were three award categories for businesses and organizations that showed or promoted kindness towards one, the community, two, towards youth, or three, towards their own employees. People from across the community were invited to nominate businesses and organizations and more than 75 were nominated. Then there were four honorees selected for each category, meaning a total of 12 businesses and organizations were recognized for their kindness.
0: 12 businesses honored Boone County. That's great. Who are the awardees?
4: So there was a wide range of businesses and nonprofit organizations that were honored for their kindness, like restaurants and mental health-focused businesses to youth organizations and even more. I and two other reporters from MBA got the chance to speak to the awardees to learn more about what prompted them to continue giving back during this difficult time. They all had unique and compelling stories, but since this is a speaking startup, how about I focus on the startups and the entrepreneurs?
0: Great idea. Who are some of the entrepreneurs you met and how have they been showing kindness while navigating the pandemic?
4: One business that I think has recently gotten a lot of recognition, especially from Columbia's community, is Broadway Diner, which is a local restaurant that serves breakfast and lunch. We spoke to David Johnson, the owner of Broadway Diner, about the KIND program, which stands for Kids in Need Diner. He started the program at the beginning of the pandemic this year with the concern that some kids wouldn't be receiving breakfast or lunch meals after in-person classes were canceled. His motivation to start this program came from his own faith and how it compels him to take care of people.
3: I try to live my my faith every day. And I just had an overwhelming conviction to, to do that. We're certainly not making money doing this. We're getting a lot of attention and, and spreading goodwill. But I think when COVID hit, all norms of, of the business world changed and we're We're just uh, trying to do our part to make sure everybody, and I mean everybody, everybody can get through this pandemic together.
4: And it's pretty amazing to see how currently he is still operating this program, even when there's usually only one person working a shift a day. On most days, he gives about 30 meals to kids.
0: Okay, so what other Columbia entrepreneurs did you talk to?
4: Well, we spoke to Equipment Share, which is a local startup that runs a marketplace for construction equipment. The concept is comparable to the way Airbnb operates, only instead of renting out homes, they rent out construction equipment, hence the name Equipment Share.
0: And Equipment Share also began something similar with giving meals to the community. Is that correct?
4: Yeah. Craig Hindling, who is a chef at Equipment Share, partnered with his coworker, Matt Bade, to start a similar program called No Child Hungry, which also came out of this concern for kids missing out on meals due to in-person school being canceled. Through this program and with the support of leadership at share in helping raising funds, they were able to provide up to 2,500 meals in the program's first week.
3: So the ownership here is very different than other places. Um,
1: It's kind of an open-door policy. Um, You have an idea, they want to hear it. Um, They want to see what you can do with that idea. Um, Matt and I had an idea and through the goodness of their heart they let us do way more than we ever thought we were possible of doing.
4: It then grew from single bagged lunches to bags of food including fresh produce from a small garden they have behind the company's building. As of right now they have donated about 45,000 meals since they started.
0: So two businesses have been recognized for giving back to the community through food. Anyone to add to that list?
4: Well, actually, there is one more. The Dive Bar is a restaurant and bar on the business loop that was recognized for kindness towards the community.
0: Awesome. Tell me more about that.
4: So Karen Jots, the owner of Dive Bar, was able to give back to her community by also giving away meals, only this time prioritizing essential workers. She also transformed the interior of her restaurant into a store that allowed for more opportunities for people in the community to get food and household essentials that people need during a pandemic but a big part of her philosophy to kindness is to make everyone feel welcomed.
2: What equates to kindness is when you walk in here, you feel welcome. You know, even the grumpiest people that we have, it's like our job is to make them smile when they leave. You know, whether they're coming in and having iced tea or orange juice and an omelet, or they're having dinner, or they're actually drinking Cocktails, you know. Um, you know, your job is to make them feel happy, and it's that's what we do.
0: So we've seen how some businesses have been kind to kids and to the community. What about kindness to employees? Were there any entrepreneurs recognized for that?
4: Influence and Co was one of the businesses that was awarded in the kindness towards employees category. We spoke to Kelsey Raymond, the owner and president of Influence Co., which is a content marketing company. The way she has shown kindness towards her employees is through flexibility and empathy.
0: How did the company show that throughout the pandemic?
4: Well, Influence Co.'s office has been closed since the pandemic started here in March, and it's going to stay closed until the end of this year in order to protect the safety of her employees. Raymond also talked a lot about being understanding of her employees' home situation and how it's important to be flexible and accommodating to her employees, who not only have to deal with this pandemic, but also have other priorities to tend to.
2: We talked a lot internally about giving each other grace, about being flexible, about if somebody's kid runs into the middle of a meeting, it's fine. (laughs) If someone needs to, you know, cut work a few hours short or not work for a couple hours during the day, that's okay. One of our core values as a business is to treat others with trust and respect. And I think that treating individuals with respect is the epitome of kindness. Um, And with everything that happened with the COVID crisis, I think that is more important than ever.
0: It's really amazing to see many local businesses lend their hand to the community. How was your experience talking to these folks?
4: Well, it was definitely a heartwarming experience. We are living during an unprecedented time, and we've all had to pivot and change the way we live our everyday lives. It's clear that these businesses are no exception and that they have been affected by the pandemic. But despite that, it's been amazing to see how they still want to help out in the community in whatever capacity they can. The businesses that were honored with the Kindness in Business Awards have really shown how their kindness has allowed for the community to get through this time together. So it was humbling to hear about that.
0: And for our listeners who are interested in learning more about these businesses and their stories, where can they find that?
4: Check out MissouriBusinessAlert.com slash KindnessInBusiness or follow along on any of our social channels. And here we'll be also hosting a virtual ceremony celebrating the 12 businesses on November 13th. Registration starts soon.
0: Great. Thank you, Sarity, for your time.
4: Thanks for having me.
1: Get to the digits of the week. The numbers that matter most in Missouri entrepreneurship. My digit is 300 million dollars.
0: Why'd you pick 300 million dollars?
1: The Missouri University of Science and Technology in Rolla or Missouri s and has received a 300 million dollar donation that will help support a new school of innovation and entrepreneurship. Missouri s and said it's the largest single donation to any university in the state's history. The money will also establish the Kummer Institute for Student Success, Research, and Economic Development, which aims to create innovation in the science, technology, and engineering fields. The gift comes from Fred Kummer and his wife, June. Fred Kummer is a Missouri S&T graduate and the founder of HPE Corporation, a St. Louis company specializing in design and construction for healthcare facilities.
0: Well, my digit is $13.5 million.
1: $13.5 million? Why is that?
0: The Economic Center in Johnson County, or ECJC, will distribute $13.5 million to entrepreneurs in Johnson County, which is located in the Kansas City area. The money will be provided to businesses in the form of one-time $10,000 grants. Funding comes from the CARES Act, the big COVID-19 relief legislation. ECJC is an economic development organization focused on helping entrepreneurs grow and scale their businesses.
1: And that just about concludes this week's episode. We just need our closing thought. Here's Kaylin Williams with Yvonne and Mitchell talking about how operating her business over Instagram became an asset during the pandemic.
2: I I would say the one thing that didn't change for us that I was proud of was just the fact that we thought ahead on making our entire business model, just like digital online. You see all these businesses kind of struggling honestly to go online and interact with like social media and stuff. And we have that down.
0: That's all for this week's episode. This has been Speaking Startup with Missouri Business Alert. This episode was produced, edited, and hosted by Casey Murray and me, Jack Anstein. Our theme music was produced by Elliot Bowman. We'll speak to you next time.